Hey there, it's Jeff, the host of the Mind Access Connection. It's a series of empowering conversations with purpose-driven, impactful experts from across the world. Join us as we discuss the realm of personal growth to provide you positive and actionable insights into self-improvement. Isik, how are we doing? What's up? Hey man, that was perfect. You know, like out of everyone, that is the quickest someone has ever joined. So <laughs> that's incredible. Great to have you here, man. Um, just letting you know, this is nice. live. We're going to be re- we're going to be recording this and turning it into a podcast as well. Awesome. Okay. So, man, good to have you here. Uh, let us know. You know, what is it that you do? Uh, what is your work? Give us a bit of a spiel on what you do. So. I'm a certified mental performance coach. I work with athletes, uh, soccer players more specifically than any others on, you know, youth players as young as 9, 10, 11, and in size, you know, collegiate players and pro players on really understanding uh, self-awareness, understanding what barriers might be getting in the way of them being, you know, from where they currently are to where they want to get to and understanding that the mental game is so very important uh, and it's something that's often overlooked. A lot of people put a lot of emphasis on the physical work and on the technical work, uh, hoping that it's just all going to kind of come together come game time. And, you know, there's so much more to it than just work hard and be determined. You know, that's, that's all good stuff, but it, it goes deeper than that. And, and that's kind of the science that we get into. Hey, Jamie, how you doing? And that's good to hear. It's, so it sounds like, you know, you work with a lot of different, um, different young children, teaching them mindset skills for life. And, you know, the topic of today's conversation is one that's really relevant and it applies to a broad scheme of people, which is about overcoming internal resistance. So my first question is, what exactly is internal resistance to you? And also, how do you see it playing out in your work? Uh, I think that internal resistance is, uh, you know, is a very broad subject, right? And you're right, you ask, mm. is it for me as opposed to everybody else? Everybody has it, you know, experiences it differently. But to make it a very, you know, very vague answer would be that internal resistance is really just what's keeping you from living your best life, your, the best version of yourself, you know, expressing yourself and whatever it is that you want to express yourself. I think internal resistance is the feeling of knowing that you're capable of more and something kind of holding you back. That's the resistance. Uh, and, and internal is, is exactly what it is because it often doesn't have to do with the outside circumstances but it has to do with how you interpret those outside circumstances and how you take them in and how you choose to change them, shift the way that you see them, right? The perception that you have uh, around them. And, and so that's what internal resistance is for me. Uh, and, and the way that I see it show up in the athletes that I work with is a lot of times it has to do with limiting beliefs, beliefs that they either picked up from a young age uh, or society placed upon them or someone told them and they just believe that to be true, as if it's like a global truth. And oftentimes it's not. Sometimes it is, but most of the time it's not. And it's just limitations that we put upon ourselves. So when working with these players, my job is to, you know, with them. It's not my job. It's not like I, I figure out what it is for them. But, you know, via conversation, we figure out what are these things and are they true? First, let's challenge them. How many of the things that we live with are not even true, but we just believe them to be true. And then we function as if they're truths. And so we recognize what they are, and then we put a lot of work into challenging them and shifting the, the way that we perceive them. And then, you know, all of that is done regardless of what's going on around you. Uh, doesn't matter, you know, playing time, 
positioning, coaches, relationships, none of that stuff really matters. All that matters is really the filter in which you see it. And it's an excellent response. It sounds like there's two different uh, modalities there. The first being your perspective and the second being how it plays out in terms of your actions, in terms of not being able to go out and do what you know you know you need to do. Now, uh, it might be useful to look at the origin point. So you mentioned uh, limiting beliefs, you mentioned fears, but going back you know, to the origin point of all of that, you know, how do you think that that perspective is created and how do you think that that can build up for someone? So you're working with, um, with young children, but let's also look at adults because if it's building up for young children, that can be altered pretty quickly because young children have brains that can be easily modified, especially when you're young, your brain is more plastic. But the older you get, the more solidified your beliefs become. So let's look at that and how that can interplay for people that may be a bit older as well. Sure. Well, first of all, the way I like to look at it is that, you know, adults are just kids that grew up. You know, that's, that's, that's really what it is. You know, we're, we're all just kids. We have an inner child inside of us. Uh, and when we were kids, we, we experienced certain things and we just carried that on with us into our adult life. And so, you know, when you look at it that way, it makes it easier to, to digest. And, and, and you're right about that. You know, that's why I like working with children is because I don't have to fix a loop that is, you know, that, that, that's going sideways, right? They don't have a root yet. This is all that they know. Now, when working with adults, it's a little bit more challenging because we've been going around about it the wrong way. And now it's a little bit more challenging to shift the way that we, you know, see things. So one of the ways that I go about it is like I mentioned before. First, let's figure out what is truth and what is perception. And really challenge that and ask yourself, you know, is it a limiting belief, right? And so Gail, Gail. G is for gremlin, A is for assumptions, I is for interpretations, and L is for limiting beliefs. And anything that you think about yourself that is limiting should be challenged by Gail. Is this your gremlin, your inner critic telling you that this is how it is? Is this an assumption that you made or is it proven by fact? Is it an interpretation or is there another way to look at it? Or is this a belief that I put upon myself from a young age and I just carry it on with me? And so now that you have those tools, which I call Gail, then you're able to look at each situation and say, hey, you know what? I can use one of these to challenge it. And we challenge it and challenge it and challenge it until we weaken it and weaken it and weaken it. And only at that point are we able to kind of say, hey, you know what? I'm not going to live my life based off of this truth because there's no real proof to support it. It's just something that we have just learned to believe because we were told it or our mind assumed that that was the case or we interpreted it that, that way. Uh, and so that's the first thing. Let's weaken Let's first weaken. It's almost like a boxer. You're not going to go in there and knock them out in one shot, right? It goes 12 rounds. You fight and fight and fight until you get tired. You weaken them. And then you can come in with the knockouts. Uh, it's the same thing. We got to knock out these demons inside of our minds. Uh, and it takes challenging them. It's not just going to happen overnight because we decided or some bald dude on an Instagram live told us, hey, that's not the truth. <laughs> and, uh, that's not the case. Well... You know, that's a great point is, well, Gail is a really cool way of putting it. I've never heard of um, that particular thing because you must have come up with it yourself. But gremlin is a great way of putting overthinking. You know, it's like really uh, demonizes overthinking. So you're prone to not do it. But also at the same time, you know, you mentioned that you've got to keep challenging and challenging that limiting belief until you weaken it, right? And what I've personally found with a lot of my clients is that when you weaken something to a certain degree, especially if you've been doing it for a long time, it can challenge their identity. It's like the fear is involved in their identity and the way they perceive themselves in the mirror 
And when you're weak, and then it's like, shit, who am I? Right, and something that we've definitely come up with a lot. And I'm interested to know your thoughts on that. Do you see that often with the kids that you work with? And when it impacts their identity, what do you do to build them up when they're at the bottom level, when they've, they've lost that belief in who they are because they've lost that fear that they were holding on to? Right, it's, a, it's an excellent concept right there. So let me, let, me, let me unpack that real quick. First of all, any military in the world, whether it be Navy SEALs or the IDF or whatever it may be, the first thing they do to their soldiers is break them down. They beat them and break them down, wake up in the middle of the night, huge, you know, physical and emotional strain to break them so they can rebuild them. Okay. Because someone came in with a certain idea of how things should be run. So they break them down and then they rebuild them back the way they want them to be built. That's the way we need to look at ourselves. Uh, that's the first thing, you know, in regards to that. The second thing is you talked, um, you mentioned there something about, about Oh, you're, you're muted, is it? I can't hear you. Second, let me fix this. Can you hear me better now? Yeah, we're good. We're good. Yeah, okay. So, was, was well, sorry about that. So, the question there was, okay, so we have the situation where we have to break something down. And then you said, what about the identity? Well, the way that it works, unfortunately, but this is reality. We believe something about ourselves. Forget about whether it's positive or negative. We believe something about ourselves, and then we spend the rest of our lives trying to prove that that's the case, because otherwise, we're crazy, right? Otherwise, we're crazy. If, we believe, if I believe something to be the case, I want to prove that that's actually reality. So if we believe something negative about ourselves, like I'm not really capable, I'm not smart enough, I'm not good enough, and then whether we know it or not, subconsciously, we spend the rest of our lives trying to prove that that thing is actually the case. And so we're strengthening the negative belief. And so the idea here is to really get back to the root, challenge that thing, realize whether it's true or not. Because as long as we believe it to be true, our actions, our habits, our routines are all going to be aligned with it. And that's why people find themselves from a bad position to another bad position, whether it be work, whether it be relationships, whether it doesn't even matter what it is. You know, oh, I, I always find myself in this, you know, I have bad luck. No, you don't have bad luck. It's what you're looking for. It's what you're looking for because that's what you believe to be true. And cognitively, you know that that's not what you want. But subconsciously, that's what you believe to be true. Therefore, you are spending the rest of your life trying to prove that that's the case. So it's almost counterproductive. It's kind of funny when you think about it. It's almost like crazy. But that's what we do. All of us. Me, you, everybody listening. All of us do that. Well, it sounds like you're talking a lot about self-sabotage there. It sounds like you're talking about being unaware of these things and the linchpin that holds you back. And therefore, you keep creating in your life what you want to avoid. And, right. you know, we see this a lot for people that don't really understand their thought trains where they let their mind control them rather than being in control of their mind. Not their emotions, but being in control of their mind. So, for example, how would you help someone in that particular realm to help them avoid self-sabotage? But actually... Before we go through that, we've got a question from Jamie, which I think would be more prudent to answer. Uh, what do you think, what, what do you do to break or change that perspective? Again, that's a, that's a great question, right? Isn't that what we're all kind of after? But it, it all takes internal work. It's asking the right questions. It's figuring out, okay, I'm, I'm like, like when people come to me and they tell me like all these negative thoughts about themselves, I don't tell them, no, you're wrong. I say, okay, I, that very well might be the case. Now I need you to prove this to me. Prove to me that you're not smart enough. Show me why. I, I, I'll, I'm with you, bro. You are not good enough. No problem. Let's prove it. 
Show me, tell me why you're not good enough. And as they search for things and search for things and they see that, no, well, that's, no, that's not really the case because that's just, that's just that one coach thought I wasn't good enough, but that one did think I was good. So that can't be a universal truth, right? Okay. Um, because I got a bad grade because my parents yelled at me, you know, whatever it did, it doesn't even matter. You, you, I would ask the questions. And then when you start proving, when you're trying to prove this, you'll realize hey, you know what, maybe it's not the case. And that's how we start weakening it, which comes back, Jamie, to that initial thing that we said, weaken the shit out of these perceptions that are not helping you weaken them. And the only way to weaken them is to challenge them and see how true they really are. Uh, and there's a bunch of different angles. And let's say you tried something, that angle didn't work, try another angle and try another angle and just keep going until you realize, you know what, this isn't the case. That's one thing. The second thing to break that is the, the information that we're putting in our minds, okay? The, the, the content that's coming into our minds and it's coming all day long, right? The way our brain works, it's either, you know, the things that we watch on TV, the stuff that we read, what society tells us, the conversations we're having with friends, the music we listen to, it's all information that our brain is processing. Now we like to say like, oh, I was just, that was just my downtime. I was messing around, but your brain doesn't know downtime. Your brain is just constantly taking in information. So ask yourself, what is the information that I'm taking in? Who are the people I'm spending my time with? Are they positive? Are they, are they, are they enlightening? Are they, you know, providing value to me, the kind of value that I actually is beneficial to me? Or are they dragging me down and is this content, you know, life sucks, your job sucks. Your boyfriend sucks. Everything sucks. You know, and, and, and a lot of society is that that's what they're feeding us. And so you have to reach out and find more beneficial things. Listen to the right podcast. Uh, read the right books. You know, stuff like that will really change the way that, you, you know, the, the, the information that your brain is processing. And therefore, it will start developing new train of thoughts and, and challenging these negative beliefs that you have. But it has to be an active thing. It's not something that's just going to happen if you got enough sleep that night which by the way and i'm sorry sleep the food that you eat okay it all ties into this stuff it ties into the mood that you have exercising okay eat sleep move three things that are most important in the world the food that you eat the sleep that you get and the uh and the food and the the exercising moving your body every single day if you do those things your brain will be healthier right you're releasing natural uh endorphins that are making you in a better mood to be able to be the better version of yourself. So I know it's kind of a long answer and I hope I touched up on some of those answers there. So that was excellent. That was excellent. It's like, you know, kind of, especially that last bit about the three components of the food you eat, having enough sleep and making sure that you're working out your body. Um, personally as well, if I don't work out, I feel awful. So I have to work out every day, but that's a good thing, you know? Um, so, Positive, so Jamie mentions positive influences are added and negative influences are removed. And of course, self-care. Awesome. And there's something else I wanted to touch there, uh, touch upon there, which um, you mentioned that I feel very strongly about, and you may too, which is the content that we're fed in the world today um, in terms of, you know, our social media feeds, you know, TikTok, Instagram, the advertising we're fed. Our mind is like a garden. You know, every time that we receive information, it's like planting a seed. And how these companies work is they continuously plant seeds in our mind of how they want us to think and behave. And if you're not cognitively aware of the things that you want to be putting into your mind, then someone else is putting them into your mind for you. And that's what these companies do. That's how they make money off you. So essentially, the content you read, the content you look at or watch or whatever it is, if you're not conscious on what you're doing, someone else is programming you in a certain way. Because how it works is there's two levels to our mind. 
the mind we can control and the mind that we can't control. The mind we can't control is the conscious mind. And that's about 10% of your operating standard. The rest of it is subconscious. All of this content goes into your subconscious mind and plants seeds. And you may not realize it at that time, but over time you may be thinking, oh, I want to buy that thing I saw in an ad a couple of weeks ago. Or I saw this piece of content and this is now a belief. It plants seeds that are unnurtured. So based upon that knowledge, Itzik, what are your thoughts upon you know, the conditioning that's happening in social media and how it's affecting people's ability to go out and live their best life today? I mean, I loved everything you just said because you were spot on. And it's so true. And it's more true now than it's ever has been before. Uh, that's the reality. And I had a good conversation with a 13-year-old kid just yesterday. And we talked about social media. And we talked about the information that, that is being shoved down you know, our throats. And, and I'm not opposed to it. I don't think that you should be like, no, no, no. I'm canceling all my social media accounts. And I'm no, don't be extreme if you don't want to be. If you want to be, go ahead. But you don't have to be. You know, you don't have to go vegan and just, just choose, like you said, just minimize, recognize that some of the stuff that you're putting in your brain is garbage. And that's the amount of room that you're allowing for garbage, but don't make it 90% of the stuff, the content that you're inhaling every single day. Um, so, you know, I think that social media is great for a lot of things, but I think in the beginning, it was something that was great. Look, I'm a little bit older than, than you and some of the people on this call, right? When I, I remember when Facebook started. And initially, Facebook was this thing for people to be able to contact uh, families and friends overseas and stuff like that. And, you know, at the time, I was traveling all through South America. And that was our way to contact and be in touch with people. And it was, it was really cool. You don't have to send pictures in the, in, the, in the mail anymore. You just upload a photo and everybody gets to see it and you get to comment to one another. I mean, it was really, really cool. But at some point, something happened. And it became, let me show you how cool I am and how good my life is. And the reality that me and this kid came up with yesterday is if you don't show me how shitty your life is at times, I'm not going to believe how great it is all the time. Cause there's no way that everybody's life is always good. That everything's all, they're always in a good mood. They're always in beautiful places. The meals that they eat are always the, the greatest. That's just not reality. It's not real life. And so I'm not going to buy it. I'm an authentic person. And I think that, you know, social media at some point started making people, feel insecure because look at what this person's doing and look at what that person's doing and, and I'm not doing it. And then when they do get to a position where they are doing it, they feel like they need to be validated and justified by everybody else. And the only person that you need to, to get validation from in this world is yourself. And if you're good with you, then you're good. You know, and if you're not, then, then it won't ever matter. It won't ever matter. If you're not happy where you are, you're not going to be happy where you want to be. You know what I'm saying? And so, that's, that's the reality, and I think that social media has caused a lot of trouble around that specific, especially with the young kids. It's, you know, you see girls taking selfies, and if they don't get 200 likes, all of a sudden their, their ego is demolished. Like, come on, man. That's, that's not okay. You know, you should love yourself whether you get likes or don't get likes, and, and now it just became a, a part of society, you know, and it's, I think it's a shame, to be honest with you. I think it's fine to be on it sometimes, but if you can catch yourself too much on it, then something's not okay. Something, something's not in your best uh, interest. Well, exactly. Social media, you know, has really played upon the insecurities people may already have. And, you know, they've done neuroscientific studies upon this where every time you receive a Facebook message or Instagram, whatever it is, a notification on your phone, you release a tiny spike of dopamine. 
And dopamine is something that makes you feel instant pleasure. You feel good, not happiness, but pleasure. So therefore, how these companies hook you in is every time that you get more notifications because you're more active on these apps, like a like, for example, that releases dopamine, dopamine, dopamine. But over time in the long term, it reduces your ability to feel happy. So when you're constantly getting happiness from your Instagram feed or from your Facebook feed, whatever you're posting on, then that really makes you feel inadequate when you're not on the phone. So therefore, that means that I can spend my whole day not looking at my phone, but when I in there, but I don't get disturbed in my current train of thought. So, man, like, how crazy was that? We was talking about social media, and at an exact point in time, we got kicked out of the room. Wow. <laughs> um, so, anyways, we were talking about like um, how inner resistance is interplayed, right? And one of the ways which I was going to ask you about is that perhaps it leads to self sabotage. Could you tell us a little bit more about how self sabotage is manifested? in this in like in this particular context i think that again it's it's having this expectations of yourself that are not real uh you know they're fabricated by society uh by social media by things like that that it's just not real but you believe it to be real so all of a sudden you have like a certain bar a certain standard that you have to hit but it's not real. Even the person that set the standard is lying. Yet you live your life thinking that you need to meet the standard uh, to look a certain way, to act a certain way, to, to go certain places. And so of course you're gonna fail. And of course you're gonna feel a certain way about yourself because you're, you're playing a game that's not, it's not fair. Uh, and, then so, and then you start sabotaging yourself because you, you have what we call you know, FOMO, right? Uh, or you know, with all these things that come out, you know, like, if if we if if it, you know if you didn't check in or if you didn't add it to your story, did it really happen? And it's just like it's ridiculous. Uh, and so I think that people need to understand that truth. And when you're young, it's harder to do that because you really do believe everything that you see, all right. And and the kids I work with, I tell them, man, I had a shitty day today, you know. And and I'm fine telling you that because I'm not here trying to pretend that I'm perfect by any means. I have bad days. I get in fights. I get in arguments. Uh, I feel terrible about myself some days. So the point isn't to always feel good. All right, here's a message I want, I, I, is really, really important to me. And, and I really harp on it hard. My job or your job as a person is not to always feel good. It's to learn how to deal with it when you don't feel good. Because to feel good all the time is not realistic. It's probably not even healthy. It's not, it's not, it's, it, doesn't, it, doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't work in the world that we live in. So you're not supposed to feel good all the time. What you're supposed to do is have the tools to deal with the days and the times and the situations that don't feel good. That's our objective as human beings is how can I cope with these things? But to think that they're not going to happen is unrealistic. Nobody is immune to a bad day or a bad mood. We all get in bad moods occasionally. And what's most important is what do you do? And so one tip around that is do the things that you do when you feel good. When you don't feel good, do the, do, do the things that you do when you do feel good. Uh, whether that be go work out, read a book, uh, have a conversation with a friend. Whatever it is that you do when things are going awesome, do them when things are going bad. And then you'll be like, oh, okay. And then your brain will be like, wait, hold on a second. He's doing the things that he does when I'm happy. So maybe I should be happy right now? And you're tricking your brain. Uh, and so that's, that's something that I really encourage people to do. I did it earlier today. I was home. I kind of, you know, I had my babies with me and, 
you know, I was kind of had a, had a little bit of an argument with my wife about something stupid that we already made up about. But, but the idea was I was home all day and I felt very, very uh, stale, if you will. So the first thing I did is I went on a run. I went on a run. I did some push-ups. I did some sit-ups and all of a sudden, whoa, okay, I feel a little bit better, you know? And so that's kind of, that's something that I try to implement in my life. When things aren't going the way I want them to go, I start doing the things that I do when things are going the way I want them to go. Well, that's a great way to counteract it, right? Is doing something that is the direct opposite of how you're feeling. But, you know, as you know, sometimes that can be quite severe for a lot of people, right? You can enter into a state of wallowing or you can kind of just like sit there and really just brood on the negativity. And brooding in particular is a very common thing. So to someone that is in that particular realm of mindset, how would you recommend that they just get up and start doing something they love if they don't really want to and if they have no desire to do so? Okay, so two things here. First of all, act, act, act differently than how you feel, all right? Most people let their feelings dictate their actions, but, you know, an elite mindset, Carol Dweck's growth versus fixed mindset, an elite growth mindset is, you know, let your actions dictate the way you feel, okay? So, again, most people let their feelings dictate the way they act, but the way to do it is to let your actions dictate the way you feel. Oftentimes, you're not going to feel like doing something. You know, a lot of times you... I need to go on a run. I don't feel like it. I don't really want to. But as soon as you put your shoes on and you start running, you start feeling like it. Maybe the first 10, 20 yards are annoying, but eventually you're like, okay, your body's like, okay, we're doing this shit. We're, we're doing this. So we're going to start feeling like it. Uh, and so you don't always have to feel like it. Sometimes you just got to do it and then you'll feel like it. So that's one thing that's super important. Um, and, then, and then the ones that are really, really deep and it's really, really hard and like putting on shoes and going for a run sounds like a, huge crazy thing just do one thing just do one thing don't think about doing a bunch of things that make just choose the one thing would it make you feel better if you went for a two-minute walk would it make you feel better if you I don't, I don't i don't know what it is but just pick one thing if you made your bed if you folded your clothes if you read one page from a book if you read one quote that motivated just one thing because that one thing is going to lead to another thing and then another thing and that's how we build confidence and that's how we build you know, uh, positive mentality. It's not, you know, the, the, the reason we're stuck is because we think about the huge thing that we need to overcome. Don't think about the, the huge thing you over. That's too much. It's too much. It's too heavy. You're not in that place right now. So just pick one thing and do that one thing and then act differently than the way that you feel. And then you'll start feeling the way that you're acting. It's powerful stuff. And that's the art of building momentum. You know, one open the door slightly and then slowly creep through and soon enough, you'll be able to start building up a cascade of momentum. Now, it also sounds like you touched upon discipline there, right? And you know, personally, discipline means a lot to me. It's changed my entire life. Doing the things that you do when you don't want to do them. Now, for somebody who struggles to build up discipline, and I know we talked about building momentum there, but how can someone maintain discipline in the long term? I think that discipline is a muscle. Uh, just like you stated, it's something that, that you have to build over time. And if you wanted to build your upper body, what would you do? Jeff, what would you do? If I tell you, you know, skinny guy comes to you and says, hey, buddy, I really want to get a big upper body. What would you tell him? Train every single day and eat right, my friend. Right. But if I want it tomorrow. What are you going to tell him? It's not possible. <laughs> it is not it's, possible. It's just, so it's the same with discipline. It's the same with confidence. We can't order it on Amazon. All right. You can't borrow it from your cousin. You know what I'm saying? It, it, there's no app for it. 
It's something that you have to build. And discipline is a muscle. And as long as you, but there's opportunities to do mental push-ups all day long. When, when you don't feel like doing something and you look at it and you're like, ah, shit, I'll do it later. And you make yourself do it now. That's discipline. That's like doing two push-ups. And you do two push-ups here and two push-ups there. And then you make your bed when you didn't really feel. Ah, shit. Oh, no, 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 you're good. I can hear you. I can hear you. You, you got me with me again? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're good. We're good. All right. So when you when you do those little you do you do those little things when you don't want to, eventually that will be the way that you do things. You know what I'm saying? That's the that'll be mm-hmm. the way that you do things is when you do things that you don't necessarily want to. You know, my dad, one of the one of the he's he had a lot of things he's taught me that I've carried with me my whole life. But one of the things he's taught me that I really do carry with me every single day is don't do later what you can do right now. And it's simple and it's stupid and it's not that complicated or that. You know, but, but, but for me, it's, it's something I carried with me forever. Don't do later what you can do now. And, and I think that's the definition of discipline. Do what you need to do, regardless if you want to, regardless if you feel like it, just do what you need to do and do it now. And then, and then later opens up for you. Uh, and so when you ask about how to build discipline, that's the way to do it. And there's opportunities around us all day long. You just walk around your house right now. You will see three, four, five things that you probably should do that you've been putting off. Start doing them, and then that will be the, your, your new train of thought, right? You'll start training your brain to see things that way. You know, and that's coming into the room of personal accountability as well, where you're doing something that you need to do and being accountable to yourself for it. But would you also agree that, you know, this is taking the path less traveled because the path less traveled helps to build up resilience in your mind, But on the flip side of it as well, we also live in a world where if you want food, you can go on your phone and have it within minutes, which completely shortcuts the process of building up some kind of discipline in the long term, where things are so easily gratified to us all the time that we are unable to hold out for a long-term result. Now, do you think that as we go through life and there are all these different modalities, do you think that undercuts the process of discipline? I'm not so sure. Your internet is like um, not doing too well right now. It's sick. It's sick. Are you able to move to mobile data? Sorry, guys. We're just going to take a quick intermission here. Let's get him back on. <laughs> Not just yet, Dave. <laughs> Let's get him back on. Um, sorry about this, guys. Yeah, we I, I, I okay, apologize for that. I don't know what happened there. And I have right. internet, but let's try this again. Basically, if I, if I understand you correctly, Jeff, you talked about all of these things that are instant gratification, right? If That's I need to send you, if I need to send you something, boom, five bucks via Venmo, it'll happen right away. If I'm hungry right now, I press a couple buttons on my phone, and then I'm, uh, I'm right away at uh, I can order a pizza. Pizza will show up at my door. If I want to buy a certain thing, I go on Amazon. I get in a second. So the point is, what I'm trying to make here, Jeff, is that society is built in a way 
for us to be instant gratification all the time. It, it, so it's these kids, it's not their fault that now we say be a certain way. These things that we talk about that takes time to develop, like discipline, they're like, well, well why isn't there an app for it? There's an app for everything else. Why don't I? So, so society is set up in a way where it's not really in the best interest of these kids. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Everything is instant gratification. Everything is now, now, now. Yet the most important things in life are not now. They take time. They take effort. People's being forgotten, and that's something that you know. I put up a video on my story about this a few days ago. Actually, it's that you know we're being we're being taught we're being conditioned to have it right now. And I guess the thing that you know to clarify is. In a world that has been designed to make life so easy for us, where is the initiative to build discipline? Happiness can be purchased on demand. Pleasure can be purchased on demand. Pleasure can, not happiness. Pleasure can be purchased on demand. Good point. Good distinction. Not happiness. Well, what do you think someone can have to allow them to undercut this process so that therefore they can hold out for long-term happiness? What do you think that it might be necessary for someone to have? I think that first thing is, is self-awareness. Once you start recognizing that all these little pleasures don't lead to happiness. I have this. I have the nicest clothes. I got the new Jordans. I, I go to nice restaurants. I have the nice car. Why am I not happy? Why am I not happy? So when you start recognizing that these pleasures are short-lived, and they don't necessarily bring about happiness, you start wondering, well, what do I really need to be happy? And then you start seeking those things, and then you realize you have a lot less material, a lot less pleasures, yet you have happiness. So it's about you trying to figure out the, your formula. I'm not here to say, I'm not here to judge anybody. Maybe, you know, somebody, what I might think is just a simple pleasure for somebody might, else really might be happiness. I don't know. I don't, it doesn't matter to me. The only thing that matters to me is that, you, that each individual figures out their formula as to what really makes them happy. Uh, and, that's, and that's a journey. That's why, you know, an eight-year-old shouldn't know as much about themselves as a 28-year-old. And a 28-year-old shouldn't know about as, as much about themselves as a 48-year-old. It's this process of life, and we're going to make mistakes, and we're going to do stupid things that we think, that we think are going to make us happy, and then they don't, and then we're confused why we're not happy. And we go through this. But that's, that's a part of living. You have to accept all of it, right? That's the process of you becoming the absolute best version, happiest version of yourself. When I say best, I mean the most satisfied. I don't mean the most money and then the nicest body and all that garbage. I'm not talking about that. If that's what you're after, then good, go for it. No problem. But that's not happiness in my opinion. Happiness is living authentically as to what, who you really are inside and what you show up, you know, the way you show up in the world. But, you know, there can be quite a process to that. And that's something, um, you know, called having a vision of, like, who you want to be in life, right? Getting clear of who you want to be, which determines what you do. But that is quite a process, particularly from where someone may be where they don't have that, right? So I'd like to know your perspective on perhaps when you work with your teams, how do you get these kids to be so clear on who they want to be and what they want to do and then help them navigate the waters in between? Well, first of all, we call it core values, Let's figure out what your core values are. I sit a kid down and I say, hey, kid, what, or, or if I'm working with a team, <laughs> we'll talk about, you know, what's your team, what's your culture? Or I talk to a kid and I say, hey, what are your non-negotiables? 
Okay, what is your, if I cut you open, what do you bleed? What are the, what are the characteristics that you are either now or that you want to be? The man that you are now, or the kid that you are now versus the man that you want to be. And then I have them give me five characteristics. Those are their core values. And then usually I'll take those five characteristics and we'll use them as acronyms, right? So I came up with mine, which is class, right? Um, which is, each one is a, is a, is, is a certain word that I remember, and that's my blueprint in which I live my life. And so there's many different ways to do something, right? You can earn $1,000 doing one thing or earn $1,000 doing a different thing, right? Not all $1,000 are, are, are created equal. What I mean by that is very simple. If you do a certain accomplishment, if you get an A in a, in a class or you get a, a raise in, in, for a job or, or make a certain amount of money, but you do it within your core values, it is far more valuable to you. It's going to feel better, right? I can make a thousand bucks by being very creative and innovative. And I can also steal from someone. A thousand bucks, a thousand bucks, right? No, one of them is going to make me feel a hell of a lot better about myself, right? Or someone can get a raise by, by bad mouthing somebody else, or they can just work really hard and stick to their core values. Well, they still got the raise this way or that way, but they're not the same. So we want to know what our core values are and live our life within those core values. So you said, how do you figure out who you are? So I sit down with these kids and I ask them, you know, what's most important to you? If you, what's most important to you? What are the characteristics that are absolutely, absolutely the most important characteristics for you? Um, and then, you know, we analyze that a little bit. We pick it apart. We see what word to remove, what word to put in until it fits just right. And when you, when it fits right, that's your blueprint. That's your blueprint. When you don't, and, and, and whatever you do, so long as you do it within those core values, you're going to be good. You're going to be happy because you're being authentic. And when you do it outside of those core values, you'll get a good result, but you ain't going to feel good about it. And that's where the friction starts. When people have jobs that are not within their core values, yes, they support the family. Yes, they have money. Yes, they, 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 have, you know, they, they're, uh, they make ends meet but they're not happy. Well, the reason they're not happy is because it's not about that stuff. They're doing it with, you know, outside of their core values. And we spend our entire damn life trying to figure out what our core values are. But the conversations I have with these kids, most adults don't have that conversation. When's the last time someone sat down and said, Hey, what's most important to you? What are your core values? I said, go talk to your mom. She doesn't even know her core values because these are conversations that don't take place because we're too busy with a lot less important, but are, prioritized. Does that make sense? 100%. That's why I do the work I do because that's what a life coach helps with is helping you get clear on your core values, right? So that you can understand what it is you want to do in your life and building towards that. So 100% without core values, you don't know who you are. That's like your stability. That's the basis of who you are as a person. Now, let's say, for example, with these children, you know, when you're seeing them understand their core values from such a young age, you know, have you ever seen like a huge gap between where a certain person started and where they have ended up and seeing what has changed, especially in a young mind? I'm very curious because I have not worked with children in this way. So I would like to know, like, what happens to them? Like, how fast does it happen? Like, is it accelerated because they're young? Uh, oh, that's a loaded question. I love that. That's a great question. It really <laughs> is. It really is. Because you're making me think about all kinds of different angles here. One thing's for certain sometimes you can't see it. All right. You, sometimes you don't, you, it's there and you can't see it. I'm not looking personally for a result. 
because I'm not connected to the results, right? I, I give the information and I hope that they take as much of it as possible, but I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not dependent on the results, but, but what I, what I do do is just like you said, my job is to plant seeds. Now, if you plant a seed and you water it and water it and water it, you're not always going to see it grow right away. But eventually with time, like sometimes I guarantee you certain things I tell a kid at 12 or 13 years old at age 18, it will click. Oh man, I remember that guy. We used to talk about this, this and that, right? Because you've heard this before when the student, when the teacher, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Right. And so he might not have been in the right state of mind at 13 years old, but at 18, 19, 20, these statements, this content that was plugged into his subconscious mind, this information he was given was there. So that's one way of looking at it. Now, have I seen changes? Hell yeah, I've seen changes. I've seen kids that went on the field very afraid, you know, and, and I changed their relationship with fear. All right, you might like this one too, fear, F-E-A-R, false emotion appearing real. It ain't really there, but they've created this huge story in their head that they're so afraid of something. And when you see that all of a sudden they're like, yeah, that, I don't even know what I was thinking. It was no big deal. Then I'm like, okay, let's, so now let's go. Let's build off of that. Let's live our life without fear. Um, and so that shift in a 14, 15 year old kid is huge. And you can start seeing the way that he talks more confident, um, demanding what he wants and not just letting other people tell him the way his life is going to be. So you know, I don't know if that really answered the question because I don't really have an answer for you, my man. I don't have like a, yeah, generally within two months I could see a change. It's, it's not like that. Sometimes the change is there and I can't even see it because it's, it's the way he experiences life. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be an answer per se, but it can be your observation and your understanding of the process. So it doesn't have to be conclusive. But, you know, something else that I was really interested in as you were saying that it was, you know, watching these, these kids change is, it sounds like at a certain point it clicks, right? They get over the hill that was generating in their mind of where they're like, okay, like now I'm ready to take on what Itzik has shown me. And this sounds a lot like a ripple effect where they have become a model of your mind where they've taken your information and started to implement it. And what do you think of the ripple effect and how it might have on, especially on these young kids who are realizing such important values in their life at a young age, what they might do, and this applies to adults too, right? Is like, what they might do in their personal lives to help the people around them. How, how might that interplay? I think that for one, you're absolutely right. It is a ripple effect. Absolutely. Uh, I do a lot of exercises with, with the kids I work with saying, you know, what if, what if this wasn't in the way, what would be, what would be available to you? If you didn't have this thought, if you didn't think that this thing was holding you back, uh, and, and I said, it's fine. We'll come right back to it. We'll let this control our life. No problem. But just, just for like two minutes, entertain me and tell me what your life would look like if you had a great relationship with your dad, right? And so I let them experience it, even if just for like two or three minutes, just get out of your own mind for a second and enter into this world, whether you believe it to be possible or not, just play make-believe for me for a, little, for a little bit. And then they start realizing, you get a little taste like, oh shit, that tasted pretty good. I like that. Uh, and then... And then, you know, again, planting seeds as to what is possible for them because they've been locked up in this little container for so long. My job is to take them and bring them out of there. And, 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 and sometimes that's scary. Like you said, you know, sometimes that could be scary. So I always say, hey, the door's open. We could jump right back into that small container where you could just be, you know, whatever it is that you, you know, these beliefs that you have of yourself. But just for a moment, let's step outside of it. 
Um, and then when they start realizing that this is real for them, the way that they live their life, relationships around them better. Like a lot of kids I work with, you know, they have siblings and siblings often naturally, they get in fights and they don't get along. And, you know, and, and, and then they change. I always tell them, you know, if we were to play a game and I, I have a paddle, I hit it, you hit it back. I hit it, you hit it back. I hit it, you hit it back. And then I, I put my paddle away. Are you going to keep hitting? And the answer is the kids always tell them, like, no. Exactly. For something to change, for a dynamic to change, we don't need both people to change. We only need one person to change. That will change the dynamic. So I put the responsibility on them. Things aren't going well with your parents. Okay, good. Well, my parents are this way now. I said, forget about them. We can't change them. But can you change something in your behavior? But my boss is an asshole and he's always there. Okay, great. you're right. But we still can't do shit about that. Change your boss. I can't go into his brain and make some you know, adjustments. They are who they are, but you can change how you are. And if you change how you are, the people around you are going to change. And I've challenged myself with this. When I'm in a, in a bad mood and I have a bad attitude, I see what my life looks like. And sometimes I'll just be like, hey, you know what? I'm gonna be the happiest guy in the world right now. And let's see what happens. And all of a sudden everything else around me looks better. So it doesn't have to do with them. It has to do with me. And that's called holding yourself accountable and being able to you know, pick up your hand and say, hey, you know what? I dropped the ball right there. That's on me. Uh, I'm going to do something to make this better. That's accountability. That's, you know, responsibility, right? Responsible, the ability to respond to situations. That's what makes us responsible. So there's that. That's very powerful, Lindsay. And, you know, first of all, I want to say that you are very passionate about your work. It's very clear you're very passionate with helping these kids and helping them really create a better life for themselves, right? Especially in terms of personal accountability. That's something that can change your life forever. Being able to not blame someone else rather put it on yourself and not in a bad way but using it to build up yourself right because taking an accountability helps to build up your esteem as well because it means that you're able to tolerate hardship you're able to tolerate difficulty now i want to segue a little bit into something um that happens when you know you work with a football team we know that there's 11 people um in the squad right well, not on the squad but like on the field at any point in time now when you have all of the team on the field is there a difference in terms of the dynamic of how these children might play with each other, you know, or interplay with each other rather. Because when looking at, you know, helping out young kids versus adults, is there more of a purpose to teamwork and collaboration for young kids? Or do you think it holds a place for adults as well when they're trying to overcome their inner resistance? Yeah, I think that it's a team. Whether it's a soccer team or your family is a team or your workplace is a team, we're part of teams all around us all the time. You know, you have your, your social life, that's a team. And the most important thing, whether it's a, you know, proper sports team or your family, you know, it doesn't matter what it is. The most important thing is understanding roles. Understand what your role is. Understand what other people's roles are. Don't do their role and, and set boundaries as to what your role. And everybody does their role. That's what makes the, the machine work. Uh, I, I work with a lot of, I work with kids. So when you work with kids, you work with families, right? And the problem, the resistance that happens is when the dad, when the, when the child thinks that he's the father, and the daughter thinks that she's the mother therapist between the mom and the dad, and the dad thinks that, you know, it, it, it's all out of whack. It's almost like if you take a basketball team, let's say, you know, you take the Lakers of the, you know, early 2000s, right? Shaq and Kobe and all these guys. But let's say Shaq was playing point guard and Kobe was playing center. And we had Robert Ory playing power forward and Derek Fisher playing small, the team would lose 
the team would lose, but they had all the same players that won a three-peat, but they wouldn't win. And the reason they wouldn't win is because just because you have the talent, just because you know the right things and you're smart and you're intelligent, if you're not applying it the right way, it's not in your favor. And so when we talk about a team, whether it be in a workplace or a family or a sports team, the most important thing is establishing roles. And for every member of the team to know what their role is. So yes, it absolutely applies to adults. It applies to children. It applies to everything. And, and, and that builds confidence as well because then you know what your role is so you can focus on doing your role as good, you know, as best as you can and not worried about other people's roles. And when, when a team buys into that, and everybody does what they need to do, that's when things get really, really good. That's when things are cohesive and fluid and fun. Because you're secure in terms of what you need to do. You're not competing. You're not trying to fight. You know exactly what it is. And you're, as Davis mentioned there as well, using your talents accordingly for your role. Now, you know, are there any tips? Are there any, you know, mindset strategies? And we've talked about a couple of things in terms of how they may be effectuated if you wanted to build discipline or accountability but is there anything in particular that you would recommend for someone who learns to who wants to learn how to overcome their inner resistance to be able to go and do what they need to do on a daily weekly monthly yearly basis yeah i would start with the boring stuff man one of my pillars is routines and habits of excellence don't mm. don't don't get caught up in the sexy stuff elite mindset resiliency like that stuff's great Mental imagery, visualization, not all that. I, I love all that stuff. I teach all that stuff. But let's get to the basics, bro. Routines and habits of excellence. How are you starting your day? How are you finishing your day? What's your AM routine? What's your PM routine? Um, you know, what are your day-to-day -day routines and your habits? Because, you know, a, a sentence I, I heard or read, or I don't even remember where I came from, but it said, you know, you do not decide your future. You do not decide your future. You do, however, decide your habits and your routines. They will decide your future, right? And so a lot of times people think they can do certain things, but they, but they want other things. Your actions have to align with your goals. So you have to try to really put a lot of emphasis on what your actions are. Forget about your goals for now. Forget about where you want to be. Looking at what you are doing right now, day to day. And so the tip I would give you right there is an AM routine and a PM routine. What are you doing in the morning when you wake up? What are you doing at night before you go to sleep? Just let's clean that up a little bit, just right there. Those two little things. And those are the, the, the edge marks, right? Like we have a bunch of books. You have something on this end to kind of keep everything together. The books in the middle, we'll figure them out as life goes on. But if you start your day positive and you finish your day with a positive thing, it's a lot easier to hit positivity throughout the actual day. Once you've mastered that, then we'll dive deeper into the day-to-day -day stuff. But let's start with that. Uh, that's a tip that is really important to me. Uh, I think that you, you should know what you're going to do tomorrow, tonight. Have a game plan because life is crazy and life's going to come jump kick you in the face. And if you don't have a game plan, you know, you want to be, you want to grab the day, not let the day come and throw you around. And so by having an AM and a PM routine, that really helps out with that stuff. That's an awesome piece of advice. It's because a routine can change everything because if you don't want to do it and you still do it, that's slowly building on the resilience and that discipline. And, you know, in terms of routines, what is a routine that you might um, suggest to someone? I mean, it can be very general. 
or it can be specific based on what you do. But what is one that you might recommend in terms of an AM and a PM routine? Yeah, sure. So, you know, I'll just share you, you know, mine, how I live. I, I mm. and, and I don't do it all the time. And when I don't do it, I realize that my life is not as good. And when I start doing it, I'm like, oh, life is good again. Like how much control? It's crazy how much control I actually have, you know? And, and, and so my routine is like this, you know, I wake up in the morning, I have my uh, morning prayer ritual that I do. And it's not because I'm really super religious. It's more from a spiritual standpoint, uh, expressing gratitude and just for two or three minutes, letting go of this feeling that I have control and just giving it, you know, understanding there's a higher power, something stronger than me. Uh, so that's part of my morning routine. I wake up, I do that. I make my bed every day before, you know, first thing in the morning, I make my bed and then I'll go and try to get like a workout in because I like to work out in the morning. Um, and then, and then I come home, I get my daughters ready. I take them to daycare and then, and then the day starts kicking in. But as soon as I pick up my phone, I get overwhelmed with stuff. So I try to knock out those little things before I, you know, before I get started in the day. Uh, and because the way I look at it is, you know, mind, body, and soul. If I did those three things in the morning, how bad of a day could I possibly have? You tell me, I mean, I, I prayed, I, I, I expressed gratitude. I spent time with my daughters. I worked out like how bad, and I did all this before eight o'clock, like how bad of a day could this possibly be? So there's that, that's the morning routine. And at night, try to get off your phone you know, at least a half hour before you go to sleep, you know, make sure that the last stuff that goes into your mind is valuable. Read a book, you know, have a little book by your side and just, you know, read two, three pages. You know, I try to read more, but sometimes I just fall asleep, but at least I know I fell asleep with something positive going on. So, so when I go to sleep, those next six, seven, whatever hours I'm sleeping, I feel like it's not video. And, um, and, and that's really it, you know, for now. And, and I'm always adding and removing and doing stuff like that. But, but that basic stuff, I know I started my day good and I finished off my day good. So whatever happened in the middle couldn't have been that bad. And that's powerful. And thank you for sharing that. You know, um, that's a very useful routine. It's not very complex, but it is no. very precise in terms of your intentional on what you want to be putting into your mind and your body and your spirit so that you can get the most out of your day. So once again, thanks for sharing that. Now, Itzik, you know, we're about to close out uh, this Instagram Live, but would you like to share anything with the audience about what you're doing or what might be coming up and um, how they can learn more about you? Yeah, sure. I'd be happy to. I, I don't know who the audience is per se. Uh, I don't know if it's, you know, my group, your group, but it really doesn't matter. Um, and the reason is because we talked about how I work with soccer players, but here's the secret and I don't care to share it. And all my players that are listening, you know, this is what's up guys. Um, soccer is just the language. It's just the language that we have chosen to deliver these very essential life skills. You understand what I'm saying? They, these are, these are life skills. They're not, they're not there just to make you a professional player or to get a raise at your job or to get straight A's. There are skills that you can use over and over again to develop into the person that's going to have a better life, a better life. My job is not to make professional players. It's to make well-rounded individuals that can enjoy their life uh, and not have to go down certain roads that you're aware of and that I'm aware of and that we've seen, you know, oftentimes. I have an online course that's coming out. I, I do workshops, but, you know, for me, I'm... I, I love this stuff. I'm very passionate about it because I know how valuable it could be. And I figure, you know, we have one life. 
let's really try to maximize it and, and do the most that we can do. Um, so I have a website, mentalcoachpro.com. Uh, you can hit me up on Instagram, which is at mentalcoachpro. And I always finish every podcast I do and people think I'm crazy, but I'll say it right now. My cell phone number is 818-942-4466. And the reason I'm saying that is because I truly don't give a shit. I want to reach as many people as I possibly can and help as many people as I can. So if somebody's interested and has a question, shoot me a text, give me a call. There's no secretaries, there's no operators, I will answer the phone. And if I don't, then I'll get back to you. Uh, but I, I, I'm really eager to help kids, adults, whoever, even if it's just for a conversation like we had right now. Powerful. This is a good man. So make sure you give him a call, follow him on Instagram or check out his website. Um, I'm sure you'll learn a lot of positive things from Itzik. So once again, Itzik, thank you so much for joining me thank on you, this Jeff. Instagram Live today. Thank you, and brother. Also, no worries, man. And thank you to the audience as well. Thank you to everyone that's joined. Sorry about the uh, little yeah, interlude. I'm going to try and... No, it's all good. I'm going to try and find um, this, the first recording. Hopefully, Instagram saved it. But if not, we have this one, and this is gold, man. So once again, thank you, everyone, and thank you. It's a, I'll speak to you soon, man. Take care. Thank you, my brother. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Mind Access Connection. It's been an absolute pleasure having you here. If you would like to view the Instagram Live replay, you can do so from my Instagram handle, Mind Access Life Coaching. If you would like to learn more about my work, feel free to check out my website in the links below, mindaccesslifecoaching.com.au, where you can explore more of my work, grab my free ebook, and also learn more about my media appearances. And that's all for now. Till next time.